0: and the Oscar doesn't go to. I'm Sam Meltzer, and on this podcast, a guest and myself will be discussing the films that received Best Picture nominations, yet not only failed to win that award, but didn't take home any trophies on Oscar night. Today, I'm joined by George Arrett. He is the host of the Gold Derby Horses podcast, which I've been on several times, so be sure to check that out, and is a passionate stan of Carrie Mulligan. So, welcome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that, that that basically describes me. I don't know what more you want me to tell you.
0: Today we will be discussing an unmarried woman, which was directed by Paul Mazursky and was released in 1978 and got three nominations. So, what about this film intrigued you?
1: Well, first of all, you were the one who was telling me to watch it when I um uh, when we uh, became friends and. Um, to be honest, I don't know what prompted me to watch it. I guess I was just looking through my letterbox watch list and I was like, I heard about this one. Um, I, and I'll watch it. And I, I don't really... I, I've seen the movie multiple times now. I don't really know what um, <clears throat> what, what, what what drew, drew me to this. What made me really like the movie, but, um, I think part of it might have something to do with, it feels so familiar. Like I'm not, I'm not a thirties woman living in New York city. Um, but I mean, my parents are separated, uh, and they have been for the majority of my life. And, um, that that maybe like the experience of it necessarily like the divorce of my parents and me you know the whole quote-unquote broken home that i was in maybe prompted that a little bit i i feel and, I, and but maybe part of it was also just the style of the film kind of it's so easy i'll probably talk about this later so easy to really get into the the movie in that way and yeah I think it really um, I don't know what else to say it's just
0: yeah well you connected to it emotionally like more than you thought you would I suppose
1: I I think so yeah
0: yeah that would make sense I, I think it was this was one of those films that I learned about from Be Kind Rewind. God bless that woman; she is a legend. And she made a video about Jane Fonda's win. And, and at the time when I when that like I first watched that video, Coming Home was the only movie of that Best Actress group of even that Best Picture group that I had seen. And she talked about an unmarried woman and about Joe Claybrook's performance. And I said, Wow, that looks really good. And then I watched it a few days later, and I said, Yeah, this is like this is so much better than i would ever imagine it being and it really quickly became one of my favorite movies ever so i i'm just super passionate about this movie on so many different levels and i think it's one of the best movies ever
1: (laughs) yeah you could you, you could say that yeah
0: yeah i i really do so starting up with the setup it starts off as a couple scenes that are sort of an introduction between Erica, our lead, played by Joe Clayberg, and her husband, Martin, played by Michael Murphy. They have this smart ass of a daughter named Patty and have been married for many years. Erica runs an art gallery downtown, and Martin is a successful businessman. You have a few scenes who are introducing herself, and obviously you have that iconic ballet moment and she lives in this fancy uptown Manhattan apartment. And and you have these scenes establishing the family relationship between her, her daughter and husband, like at breakfast or after a night out and scenes with Erica's group of female friends who she has meals with. So these aren't like long or tedious scenes, but they express her nature, like what she's like as a woman in a very immediate sense. And then the big draw of the story is that her husband confesses to her that he's been having an affair with another woman and is in love with her so then they separate so uh, regarding the setup what did you like or dislike about it
1: I think the 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 setup is really um it's not too dissimilar from other movies to be quite honest but I think it, it like it doesn't it feels more raw and kind of real a lot of their movies which is interesting because this is like a, a studio movie you know it's 20th century fox but it's not like it's not fabricated it's really feel fabricated like it feels kind of like a bomb back movie in a way like like the squid in the whale for example has does a very similar thing thing with its uh with laura lindy and jeff daniel's characters and also uh, jesse eisenberg i forget the other kid's name um but like 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 it does a similar thing there but i think you know it it gets the point across that you know kind of sets up who these characters are um or just specifically who this main character is
0: um because
1: yeah yeah i
0: agree
1: yeah and and like you understand her a lot more than the other characters which is kind of sort of the point of the movie but i think you know and, she, and like interesting fact Joel claiberg is in literally every scene in this movie so um yeah it makes sense that you would want to establish her more than um your other side characters
0: i think in that, that way yeah i think that the beginning of the movie really puts you into the situation beautifully. And I like how the men in this film aren't like horrible people. I think her husband, Martin, is a very sympathetic, multi-layered character. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's able to like come in terms with himself and admit something like that, something that most people like when they like the way that these women find out that their husbands are cheating on them is like through other people or through an accident. So that felt really compelling to me and just brought me more to his character and allowed me to understand the situation very well because she had like she was in a very healthy relationship with this man for a long time. And she was very comfortable with her lifestyle and just felt so at ease with her life. Yeah. And it's just this whole statement on this is such a weird comparison. I don't know why like this came to my mind, but. It, it brings me like my mind like how when your life just seems to be perfect something completely disastrous happens it kind of reminds me of soul in that movie like the character's life is exactly how he wants it and then he just falls down, down the sewer and dies
1: yeah like that's yeah.
0: that it reminds me of that because <laughs> it's it's so weird that I'm comparing an animated movie from 2020 to like a dramedy from 1978 it makes sense but though. yeah yeah it, it sort of disrupts their lifestyle and creates such an interesting story
1: yeah absolutely like um i was watching the supplements on the criterion um oh, i you,
0: need to check those out
1: <laughs> yeah um and i don't do these for most of my Criterion, so that's uh that should tell you something but anyway uh I was watching the supplements on the Criterion and um, one of the things that uh, Sam, Sam Watson, he's, he wrote a book on Paul Mazursky. He's the writer of the Fossey Virgin book, but he had an interview on the supplements on, about this film. And um, there was something he said, like I'm paraphrasing, but Mazursky's films are like a documentary. What's funny becomes tragic and what's tragic becomes funny. And I think that does set the, mood for this entire movie i wouldn't go so far as to call it a comedy but like i guess it's a comedy same with like marriage stories a comedy where like there's comedic light moments but there's also very dramatic and kind of heavy moments as well
0: that's why i'm surprised that so many people consider harry and Tonto a comedy because it. With with regards to the tone of it and like the musical aspects, it feels similar. Obviously, like it's the same writer-director. So that makes sense. But Harry and Tonto is a really sad movie. It has a lot of fun moments. It's very easygoing. Mm-hmm. It's light, but if you think about it, it's about a man who's aging and is trying to like he, he has his building torn down that he raised his family in and is coming to realize like, that he's right. lonely and has, like, a dead, like, she, her, his wife died, and you realize that this is not a happy story, but he, no. what Mazursky does so well is make it real in a light-hearted way. With, what Harry and Tonto does so well is that it doesn't talk about the ending, it talks about a stopping point and becoming satisfied with yourself at that stopping point, and I think, an unmarried woman differs from that because it talks about change and all these aspects of identity crisis and having to make a new path in your life. But it mostly focuses on the positive aspects of that, which is something you normally don't see in these type of divorce, marriage, relationship dramas.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly. Um, I I mean, I would consider Harry and Tonto more of a comedy than this movie. Yeah, yeah, that I agree with. But like, no, you, you hit it you hit the nail on the head there. Like it's it, it's a sad movie through and through. There's just, you know, very light moments. And I think, you know, I mean there's filmmakers that do that. Like, you know, Mizerski, I think, is kind of like the Noah Bomback of his time, or the Mike Mills of his time. I think Mike Mills is actually a great comparison. Yeah. Because like definitely. 20th century women is very much in that style of um funny but sad. Sad but funny. And like, you know, I think 20th century women is some, it's not similar to this movie at all. It, I guess it's not really similar to the, the style of Mike Mills is similar to Paul Mazursky. I, I don't know why I'm stumbling over my words. I'm very sorry. But yeah, he um,
0: tells these like relationship family oriented dramas with a sense of comedic timing and a sense of heart rather than just throwing you into this depressing circle with no hope
1: yeah and it's not like all movies that do that are bad no
0: definitely not we'll get into some movies like that later on this on this episode but
1: uh-huh yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying I mean it's not like um I, I don't know this is gonna be a very weird comparison but like the the film uh, Yee Yee, I don't know. I, I know Sam hasn't seen it, but like, uh, yeah.
0: put me to shame again for not watching that. I, I have to. It looks so good.
1: But like, um, the movie, um, is very like it kind of starts very light. It like the the opening scene is at a wedding, but like you know, there's these all these moments in the movie, like, you know, one of the characters is dying, and, you know, her daughter has to kind of reconcile with that, and there's just, you know, a man is kind of dealing with his past, in a way. Um, and th- there's all these other things, you know, and then, in intertwined with that, you have this, the young boy who's kind of discovering his life in Taipei, and then, you know, the young girl, and even with them, there's some really shocking moments there as well and I'm not going to compare Edward Yang to Paul Mazursky because I think they're working with two very different sensibilities and styles but in that way it reminds me of that.
0: Nice comparison I don't I, I literally can't say anything about it since I haven't seen Yi Yi but I do I do understand what you're saying. If, yeah yeah yeah. If i without knowledge of that movie at all I, I think I understand yeah 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 and, and just the way that Paul Musgursky specifically directs this film it, it isn't the first time I watched it I was like okay this is about the script this is about Jill Clayburgh. but the more I watch it the more I recognize how smart he is with the techniques that he's using in order to capture New York City that is something that I love when 70s movies do. They are able to make the city feel like a character. Taxi Driver does this brilliantly. Yes. And I know that's an obvious like, like, comparison, but an unmarried woman, although unlike Taxi Driver, you're at mostly upper class parts of Manhattan, you are very much experiencing New York City from a specific perspective and understand how this character feels about the city even though she never states it once. So I love that Mazursky is able to focus heavily on the surroundings, on the way the apartment looks, on the streets, and just subtly expresses his feelings for the city while making it an integral component to the film.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, going back to the to, uh for a second that movie is so brilliant at making the city a character as as i would say all of edward movies are um a brighter summer day which is you know my favorite film of all time uh, is literally like about like taipei is quite literally an important backdrop for that film i think it does it so brilliantly and i think you know nashville does it so brilliantly as well obviously definitely
0: (laughs) yeah if it didn't then i'd be concerned
1: i'm biased because i live there and i know it very well but you know um it's also just um in this film
0: it feels very new york to say and very Very. 70s Uh, yes and that Um, is always a good thing
1: but, like, it feels very similar to New York movies now uh, in a weird way. And, like, I've never even been to New York City. But you can just kind of feel the energy of it in Definitely. a way. Yeah, and I like, mean,
0: the the place in the beginning of the film where Jill Klaibor and her husband are running and then he steps in dog shit and all that. Like, that area, the way, like, the actual sidewalk looks is it's different but it's like the same location all of this is the same like I recognize these places mm, yeah and even though obviously like it's been almost 50 years you do recognize that Mazursky clearly has an eye for the timelessness of New York
1: and absolutely makes absolutely. it such a
0: priority and I love that
1: yeah and that's part of what I love about Bomback
0: uh too mm, yeah is
1: uh you know how he shoots New York
0: yeah, Francis Ha does a similar thing.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I I
0: need to see the Squid and the Whale though. I I really don't know why I haven't. It looks awesome.
1: Yeah, it's so good.
0: Would you say that uh, this is your favorite film that takes place in New York City?
1: I guess by default, like I have a top one hundred list, but it's very dis- well. Well, I have Taxi Driver above it, so I don't. I don't know.
0: <laughs> ah, well, t- taxi driver is amazing too. I just did an episode on that. So, yeah, 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 that's a good one. I think, I think probably for me, I can't really think of. I mean, network. I also love. Yeah, network is one. is is great. Harry and Tonto kind of takes place in New York City. Marty i love marty that takes inside in lewin davis inside i Lou and mean, davis is a good half
1: one. half in new york but yeah, you, know, you get what i'm saying
0: yeah exactly i think that you know just new york is such a cinematic place it really i mean it were it always works
1: yeah oh and the king of comedy i just saw that on oh the list yeah too. well
0: that's that's great yeah 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 oh and the goodbye girl that was so good i loved it Moonstruck i need to two. see that one and like literally anything that's Woody Allen that takes place in New York captures Get the city man. well. Yes, all of this. Yeah. I think, well, after that happens, after the breakup, what yes. I like as well is, is how the film introduces uh, Luca, Lisa Lucas as Patty, because I think she's re- like one of the best teenagers I've seen in a movie because the way she's portrayed is so smart ass so ahead of yourself but also so authentic and lisa lucas i don't know why she didn't like get cast that much in movies because she's wonderful in the role yeah she's really good she was really good she's always enjoyable to watch there are like the argument scene after you know erica kicks her boyfriend phil out of that out of the apartment like that argument scene it was just so brilliant how yeah. she's like how she's like i'm sorry i can't be your father and then she's like then just be my mother like i love that moment that uh-huh. scene just felt so authentic and so well done and even though my parents aren't separated just i related to it i could understand how real it felt oh uh, subtle moments like that just make me recognize how brilliant the, and crucial the acting is because yeah. their delivery and just the whole aura of their performances it's so believable.
1: And something I also learned from watching the supplements on the criterion from the same actress is like there was like a scene I don't remember which scene she was talking about, but there's one scene where she was like supposed to be crying and she was she was crying and she, she just couldn't get it out. And then, you know, Paul just said, Hey, um I don't need the tears. I don't need the tears and then the next take she just she just started bawling her eyes up and oh. like and there would be you know she was also talking about in that scene you just mentioned um like jill like slapped her and she was mad mm-hmm. and they just kept that take or or paul was like do it again and they kept they did it again like and he kept the take he's like all right this is like what we're gonna do now because like it, it, it's emotions that are actually genuine but you don't really see them as genuine. You you think that they're you know scripted or something, or like they're they're very very scripted. Like, and I've tried to like write down something in that way, and it's like you just can't do it and make it sound authentic. It has to come naturally, and it does that. Like explaining that makes like oh uh, well. That makes sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think the most authentic moments you get in film, some of the most authentic moments are ones that are not rehearsed and are quote unquote bloopers Absolutely. or accidents because they aren't trying to follow a script or a director. They just do their own thing and they end up working really well. And, and that definitely just- 100%. It's just such a distinct pattern. You always recognize like, wow, I, I realized like that felt so real. I relate to that. And then you learn, oh, it wasn't even in the script. So it's so interesting to see how things like that play out. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we're definitely going to get into this later. I'm not going to say specifically because I don't want to root it, but there is another film from this year that we'll get into when we talk about the Oscars that I think I love. I love the movie so much. But there are times where the characters' emotions do feel forced. And in this film, I didn't feel that once.
1: Yeah, I mean, you watch a lot of these movies... And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, this, this is a little much, this is a little much, you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult to get a movie with all just real natural moments. And this really, this one really feels like, one. it's like, you know, I, I don't know what direct comparison to make, I suppose, Marriage Story, which I mean, I know you have your takes on. But
0: um... I don't, I don't hate the movie. I just, I, yeah, I've yeah, always yeah. thought that people disregarded Kramer versus Kramer when in comparison to it. And I I just don't respond positively to that. And, and I like Adam Driver in it a lot. I think he's terrific. And maybe I need to rewatch it because I really haven't seen it since 2019. But I just remember not really liking Scarlett Johansson's performance and thinking some of it felt a bit forced. But a lot of people have told me that like, you know, like I've had a similar situation and even people who haven't like they love this movie so much. So maybe I do need to Uh, watch it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, and granted like this is not a very like similar movie in terms of its story but like. No, 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 no. It's just like it doesn't really feel very forced because you know, Baumbach has that kind of laid back directing style where he's like you know be yourself I guess and you know you read the script and that monologue she has with Laura Dern like there are no stage directions in there Mm -hmm. really not really but like you know you can kind of see her moving around the office and then you know standing up and sitting down and and all that jazz and you know it's it's like sometimes you don't really need stage directions sometimes it's like you know all right. Well, you got to get up, and you got to go around, or you know, you got to, or you know, you can just do whatever you need to do. You know, you got to sit down, or at this point, and blah blah blah. You know, or hey, sit down, and we start this, and you know, <laughs> it's very um, much like that. And in here, I would say that as well. And you know, there's a lot of scenes that really feel like you know they're just kind of like throwing mud at the wall and seeing and seeing what sticks. And
0: it all sticks.
1: Yeah. It all sticks pretty much. Yeah. They just have the best uh, lines in the
0: movie. Mm-hmm. And this is my way of transitioning to speaking of authenticity. I, this is a big statement, but I'm willing to say this. I think that Jill clayberg 's performance is the most natural portrayal of a character I've ever seen that doesn't mean it's my Mm -hmm. number one favorite performance of all time she's one of them I I wouldn't say it's like my number we all we
1: all we all know who it is
0: yes but here's the thing like I've never seen someone play a character and make it look so easy when it isn't this is a very lived in performance you believe that she was this character before this movie before you watch this movie and you believe that she exists after you watch the movie and it is so rare that I see characters like this I mean there's nothing wrong with performances that just start bringing a character to life and are very exciting but it is rare to see a performance that is really subtle that I can grasp onto so easily because it's so lived in and so just believable and she is exquisite at this and I will never be able to get over this performance it is just perfect like ferociously perfect
1: yeah it's sad that um Jill Kleiberg never actually won a competitive Oscar or even anything and and now she's no longer alive and
0: she died like 10 years ago
1: yeah and like it's it's very sad because she she shows a lot of um talent and on stage too like she was in pippin she has this amazing like solo number um trying to think of what it's called i guess i'll miss the man it's so Mm. perfect
0: yeah yeah i've seen that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah she's really good in it she has this magical possession over the way the script writes this character she understands the tone of the movie the second it begins and you believe like like as I said, do you just think this character exists and has existed?
1: Yeah, it's um, it feels like you you would go around and you would be like, I know her, or I know him, <laughs> that kind of <laughs> that kind of shit.
0: Yeah. Would you say that? like this is your favorite or one of your favorite performances of that decade. Cause I I've come to realize, I think it's my favorite performance of that decade, at least with regards to the best actress category. I mean, that
1: is, that's a very difficult question because there's, well, I mean, there's so many, like, like it's what it's, the, the reason I object to saying this is the greatest movie of all time is because,
0: well, there isn't one
1: yeah there's no way to really objectively measure that and like yeah. the same would go for performances i can say okay well you know um so and so gives my favorite performance and so and so film um but you know someone else is gonna say well i like uh this person and that person you know i mean i have my um i have a certain amount of takes in regards to my favorite performances of each year. But like, I understand that like, not everyone's going to hold that view.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, I have my number one performance of all time, but other than that, it's just completely loose. I don't think I can rank. If someone asked me to do a rank of like my favorite performances, I used to have a list that was like my favorite performances and I had to delete it after like two days. Because not only does my opinion change, but I watch more movies that I think have this such an incredible performance. And it's so difficult for me to just trap them all down. I, it, the list would just be 300 movies and it would just keep growing and growing and growing. So it yeah, is yeah, difficult yeah. to say. But I, I'm just speaking on the best actress category of this decade. I think Jill Clayburgh is probably my favorite. It's tough, but she's probably my favorite. That is, very yeah, 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 yeah. And I think in terms of nominees, this might be like the best decade for it, or at least top three.
1: Well, (laughs) I'll have to get on that one.
0: Yeah. She is just, she's so extraordinary. She really is able to communicate what this character has to offer within every moment. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Well, do you have a favorite scene? i know it's hard there something. Mm,
1: the scene i always think of is the scene in the taxi cab oh because that's just so anxiety inducing and like i have a weird thing for anxiety inducing movies just in general i mean if you go on my go to like my f- favorite movie of each year list that's like the definition of anxiety-inducing for like 7 out of 10 of the ones in the past decade. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Promising a Woman, Parasite, Phantom Thread, extremely anxiety-inducing films, even, even Burning. But um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I like how it's just so kind of claustrophobic. And like it kind of starts off kind of normal and awkward. But then it gets more sinister with this this random ass dude that she met just like an hour
0: ago. And, and how then, she doesn't even want to ha- have him in the taxi cab and then he just hops in the last second.
1: Yeah, it's very just uncomfortable. You know?
0: And as I said, like the, she because she, her performance is so good, you're in her headspace so deeply that you feel exactly how she feels when he tries to lean in and kiss her and she's just filled with rage and shock. Yeah, it's just so, <sighs> Ooh, yeah. I would say, similarly, I, I don't know if anxiety inducing is the right word, but a scene that kind of got me a little stressed out and worried was the scene where uh, Patty meets, um, Patty meets her new boyfriend, played Saul. By Alan Bates, Saul, yeah. And just like that whole dinner table scene where oh yeah, you can tell that Patty is clearly upset because... Her father isn't around anymore and she realizes that she actually loves her father and how awkward it is for Saul and how awkward it is for Erica just this whole situation it just, it's awkwardly funny it's yeah. so I don't even know I didn't even think I didn't even think it was funny I thought it was funny when she was like do you have any weed on you like do you drink like that yeah. was funny like she was just being such yeah. a smart ass and trying to act so adult and she was like can I have some wine but I thought it was—I thought it was so stressful and just uncomfortable for me to watch this conversation at the table because it's so relatable. You understand this teenage perspective and the adult perspective that is just as difficult when all three of these characters are so three-dimensional and have such distinct situations that come together in such a distinct and natural way.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that 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 scene. I mean, yeah, I agree. It's not anxiety-inducing, no. But, like, it is very, very, like... It, it's very awkward. And you can tell, like, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable and, you know, blah, blah, blah and stuff. And, and that seems interesting because, you know, again, I find out by watching the supplements, you know, anytime the there's an opportunity for characters to eat, like, people will have the characters eat in the scene because it kind of takes their mind off of acting a little bit more. And it gets the more raw emotions out. And, uh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I would say my favorite scene. I mean, not my favorite scene. Like my favorite moment. <laughs> Everyone is just gonna roll their eyes so far back that they will that their eyes will just never be normal again. <laughs> but, oh boy! But the scene where erica and all her mom friends are like sitting on her bed and in her room and are oh, talking yeah. about like comparing classic actresses to modern actresses and i think it's so funny how one of her friends is like jane fonda's overrated the same year that J- jane fonda beat Hitler exactly Oscar. And, oh and like they were talking about like katherine Hepburn and betty davis will never compare to barbara streisand and jane fonda and i think it's so funny it's like they reached into my head and like got an ideal conversation that I would just love to see in any movie and it perfectly just encapsulates this feeling of these middle-aged women coming together and then it just quickly evolves into this (laughs) conversation about like self-doubt and reconciliation and existentialism and even though it's a bit jarring from like a conversational perspective it it was weirdly funny when her friend just started crying and was like I could write a book about this, like, oh, and, and it's, it's so funny, because, and then, like, the daughter comes in, and is, like, I think the dominant culture right now is bisexual, and all these mom friends are just, like, in Erica's life, and you realize that they're such good friends, and they have these, such these fun conversations, well, I can also relate to them, so that was just wonderful.
1: <laughs> Amazing, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. This, I, I think that's the only time that a Best Actress nominee has talked about their fellow Best Actress nominee in the movie ever. Like, I think it might be. Maybe. Unless, I, I don't think this is the case, but in have you seen In-N-Out with Joan Cusack? No. Like, a lot of that movie is fen- centered around the Academy Awards. Maybe they mentioned one of the fellow nominees, but I really doubt it. That would be the only other time I can imagine someone like, that happening but just the fact that it happens in this movie works perfectly yeah yeah
1: great right. great right.
0: and what do you think about Saul
1: Saul um I mean he seems like a nice guy I don't want to say nice a good nice guy. guy nice guy <laughs> yeah no um he's a good guy he seems like yeah. a you know a good person he doesn't want to like Hurt or anything like. He's also just very centered on his work, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing, no. But like you know, when you're watching the movie, you're like, "Oh, come on, dude! Come <laughs> on, man!" Like, I mean, I mean, and that's just in the moment of the movie. You now, and eventually, she, you know, you know, lets him go. Um, off to off to that, and, oh, and like they're still fine but like I mean we also don't know what happens after um the movie happens I think part of her part of Erica is afraid that another Martin situation would happen again I, I don't I don't I don't know if that's like real
0: I don't know if she was afraid about another Martin situation happening. I just think she came to a realization that men are not going to solve her problems and that she is a woman who relies on independence. Mm -hmm. I doubt if I agree, just with my belief that this character will exist forever and ever. I don't think she'll ever get remarried or stay in a strong relationship with a man again. Her daughter and her have an interesting relationship. She has a job. She has friends. She doesn't need a man. And and I love that this movie really develops her realization about that without making the men look bad, which is something I really appreciated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, this is a very kind of simple
0: way. Mm -hmm. It's such a little detail, but it communicates so strongly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of very subtle kind of instances
0: yeah it after her husband leaves her she has to discover this new path and while it has some bumps at 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 beginning it's so hopeful and freeing and almost cathartic
1: i feel we're going around circles now. (laughs) what happened i feel we're going around circles now
0: yeah maybe (laughs) any other scenes you'd like to talk about
1: uh as far as other scenes go the only other thing i want to mention that i learned from again from watching the supplements the scene in the the china the chinese restaurant right oh yeah the guy who is um playing her friend's uh boyfriend or whatever that's paul mazurski
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love when directors do that that's yeah so clever
1: and like <laughs> he just dead ass makes
0: pulls an m night Shyamalan
1: it makes a cameo in the film
0: he makes a Tarantino he makes a Tarantino but doesn't say the (laughs) n-word
1: I don't know why I said that Hitchcock Hitchcock
0: Hitchcock there you go there you go I would say for me a really like noticeable aspect of this movie is the score yeah it is it is just so It's, it's great it's so good it yes it also captures the tone flawlessly but it's weirdly like I listen to it a lot like I found the track on YouTube and like I put that on when I'm like on a walk or something Mm -hmm. I think it's so beautiful and just the way it combines saxophone with violin is really smart and matches the energy that the film has going for it and I think the fact that the Academy didn't like realized to nominate that they didn't nominate the score for Harry and Tonto either like I don't understand what's up with that both of yeah. them have such wonderful music scores that and really Bill just Conti, set the emotion Bill Conti for both like he they, won
1: for Rocky too two years before this movie came out he won for Rocky
0: like I don't understand how you can make that like oh I don't think he did win for Rocky
1: did he did he not um I could look that he up.
0: wasn't nominated for Rocky oh well I, maybe I don't... because maybe because it wasn't original entirely okay maybe i don't know i, feel I i'm not sure I, I, that must be some weird eligibility rule but i think harry and tonto like as well harry and tonto even more so i just think that with that film the score is so emotional and just resembles so much whereas in an unmarried woman it is a bit more repetitive it, it is kind of a similar track throughout but i do think it is successful because it doesn't feel repeat, it doesn't feel overused.
1: Yes, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it's repetitive. There's a very similar like, melody throughout, and a lot of movie scores have that, you know. But it it, it just fits, and as you said, it fits the tone of movie so well, and it like it's it also doesn't um come in at an inappropriate time.
0: Never, you know, it never but, interrupts it. It's never overbearing.
1: Yeah. It crescendos when it needs to, it decrescendos when it needs to, you know. It works.
0: It works. I uh, I just think that just the way this film opens and you get this long shot of the East River and the east side of New York City with the music playing, it's just perfect. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. It's it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. and then the the music it just gets really down and negative the scene when he breaks up with her and it just gets very passionate with regards to its tone and and the decrease in high pitch uh, yeah it's really it's really wonderful it
1: gets lower
0: Mm, yeah and it gets more dragged out it's very smart
1: it crescendos and like the octaves are much lower yeah yeah
0: definitely Bill Conti also, he won an Oscar for The Right Stuff, which I haven't seen yet. Okay, okay, okay. And he was nominated, I, he wasn't nominated for these, but he did the score for, like, other Rocky films. He did it for The Karate Kid, Broadcast News, The Big Chill, Private Benjamin. He's done a lot of really good scores for iconic movies, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, keep an eye out for him. He's he's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then anything else? I'm I'm trying to think. Is there anything else I want to bring up? Because this is just simply an amazing film. Oh, the ending! Mm, yeah, really
1: good. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the perfect way to end the movie. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's especially funny. When, yeah in the in the way that the film is trying to set up that that the whole journey of this of of Erica, you know. He, he goes away she's left with his painting to remember him by And she just kind of she just kind of awkwardly c- carries it down a, a crowded street
0: uh-huh.
1: and like I, you know i
0: think that the painting is so symbolic though because it, it's sort of sy- symbolizing like how her life feels on her and how it's a lot to deal with but oh, she's yeah. able to have confidence and get get through with it and she's able to move this painting along several blocks even though it's difficult so I think that's very like, a very smart way to subtly showcase the metaphor for the painting.
1: Also, I low-key feel like they kind of uh, passed the Seinfeld restaurant, <laughs> and, and I was <laughs> like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did not see that, but...
1: I don't anyway. know if it was. Again, I haven't been to New York, so... And I
0: haven't watched much of Seinfeld. The only one I've really seen is the one where Elaine hated the English patient, and... Lost her job, her friends, her boyfriend, and didn't get food at a restaurant because she didn't like the English patient. Watch that episode; it's brilliant.
1: I didn't know that was an episode. I have. Yeah. To, I, I guess I have to watch that now. But it I was. Seen I haven't seen it. So patient.
0: funny. You don't even need to. Just know that it's a boring, slow movie that takes place in the desert, and then you'd be fine.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. The opposite of Dune, I guess.
0: <laughs> sure, you could. You could say that. I, I think yeah just an unmarried woman, so well paced, so beautiful, so perfectly acted. oh yes. there is one thing that i I don't like about it. Can you guess what it is? If you can't then i don't want I don't want to make it.
1: I don't I, make it. I, th- I'm kind of shocked that you even said that to begin with.
0: okay, it's very little. it really didn't bother me, but the scene where Ma- Martin admits to her that he's with another woman. The way that Michael Murphy cries in that scene just did not feel natural.
1: Mm.
0: You know what I mean? It just doesn't feel real. It, it, it kind of looked like he was
1: constipated. Yeah, I can see that.
0: And he was just trying really hard to cry. I don't know. It It, it isn't that big. He wasn't awful. It just it didn't feel so real to me, especially since everything else did.
1: This kind of <laughs> Lifetime original Type crying.
0: He's just like I'm in love with her, <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, calm down. <laughs> Otherwise, though, it's just so perfect. So that that was like yeah, yeah, the yeah. one thing I wrote down that I was like something I don't love, but everything else I do. So we're we're good.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
0: But yeah. Would do you have any final remarks, or would you like to make I... the questions?
1: I don't have anything no i can't I can't think of anything,
0: okay, so our first question is from Dylan. He asks, Do you think the title has a deeper meaning? Mm,
1: I mean, I think we kind of established that she's you know kind of realized, oh, she doesn't need men in her life, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she doesn't need to be married i i think I think that's kind of kind of it unless I'm missing something there which I guess is possible.
0: Yeah, but. I said I said I don't think it has a deeper meaning at all. It's a very simple title. She's a woman who becomes unmarried, and the story is focused around her character's development, and how that, like the arc that showcases how her loneliness turns into independence. It isn't, I mean, it's just trying to get to the point. An unmarried woman makes sense. <laughs> she is one, and There's no other way there's no other way to put this. She's just an unmarried woman. There's there's no super meaning
1: to it. It's very simple, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then Dylan also asks, how does this compare to other movies that deal with life after divorce? Hmm.
1: Trying to think, like, I mean, there's movies like you know, during divorce.
0: Yeah, I just maybe just divorce movies in general.
1: Well, I mean the best comparison I get I could probably make is marriage story, and I made that in comparison a couple of times. I think they're both like very similar in how raw and natural they are for sure, and I've compared Baumbach to Mazursky um mm-hmm. already.
0: Would you say it's your favorite I,
1: probably, yeah, yeah, uh, I think you know there's also scenes from marriage the both the Ingmar Bergman one and the 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 new one on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Th- I think they they don't feel Mazursky-esque in like style, but they are like similarly very raw and um, emotional. Obviously the the original scenes from Marriage is very Eurocentric. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, you
0: you get the idea. Uh-huh. I think it's my favorite. Second place though, very strong second place is Kramer versus Kramer. I really I still like...
1: haven't seen it. Oh,
0: it's so good. It's one of my favorites too. It's really, really beautiful. But yeah, it's the best. I mean <laughs> for me at least. I prefer it to Kramer and Marriage Story, just with regards to like this center of movies. But yeah, I don't yeah. have much I don't have much to add on that. And then final question from Dylan. If you ranked all the 70s movies that you've seen, where would this film go? I think we can just say roughly because I could never rank all the 70s movies I've seen.
1: I don't fucking know. I guess I can look on my top 100 again. (laughs) I I guess this would rank like two or three if I'm looking at all Yeah, I,
0: I think it would be in my top three, definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: Nashville and Network, I'd say are, oh. are up there as well.
1: Well, this would kind of be fourth because all that jazz Nashville taxi driver, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would yeah, I'd say I, Unmarried Woman is up there with like Nashville and Network. Cabaret is amazing. This is yes. just me rambling about seventies movies, but it's definitely top three, if not top 5 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then Mr. Gaga asks, do you think Jill Clayburgh was the presumed winner by most people at the time?
1: I, I assume this is what we say for the uh, the uh, Oscars discussion, right? Or no. I guess we can answer it now.
0: This is uh, The Oscars discussion is more so us saying whether we think it deserved to win in that category okay, at, okay. compared to the well, others. Well,
1: I have kind of two answers to this, so there's this thing you send me of like a bunch of like collection of predictions at the time and if I'm kind of going off that and other predictions I saw no she wasn't the predicted winner although before all of that started there were a lot of people granted a lot of people who really liked the film who were saying she's gonna win Roger Ebert for example oh yeah went, went on his show great it was his number one movie of the year but he went on his show and he's like and he told Gene Siskel hey write this down Jill Clayburgh is gonna win uh,
0: best actress but oh i wish she was right
1: and like there's other people's level like roger ebert's the most notable one
0: yeah um i i don't think she was the presumed winner i think she was like a close second if it came to the actual ballots there were a lot of people who predicted her she had critics support she had the can award and yeah. she was like other than jane fonda your winner she was the only uh, in, in the only other uh, best picture nominee in the actress category so right She was like other than Fonda, like the most seen nominee, so that definitely worked in her favor. And I mean, people who predicted her, I suppose that was just wishful thinking because I think Jane Fonda won very easily. Yeah, we'll get. I I, I mean, I really think she had it, but yeah, we'll get to that. And then second, next question for Mr. Gaga: Who is your second favorite performance in the film?
1: my second favorite yeah (laughs) i guess probably patty
0: yeah me too and it would be michael murphy but the crying scene kind of detracts from it (laughs) okay okay and then owen asks could you see a remake starring clayberg's daughter lily rabe in this role
1: uh well, I haven't really seen anything from Lily Rabe because you sent me these questions beforehand, and I, I looked, and the only two things I've seen her in are Vice, <laughs> which LOL, and um, <laughs> fucking regular show, the, the the you know the Cartoon Network show with the the Blue Jay and the Raccoon. I used to watch that all the time, and like oh she,
0: yes. And
1: like her credit on IMDb is just alien.
0: Oh, she's probably <laughs> yeah. not in it much.
1: Yeah. Like episode.
0: Well, I've seen. I mean, I think I've seen some American horror story with her, but my answer is no. I, I don't. I don't think that she would. I, I just I, one. Please don't remake this film. That's just a dumb Absolutely idea.
1: Absolutely
0: not. No, thank you. And and knowing like what she looks like. I suppose she does obviously have similarities because Jill Clayberg is obviously her mom. But no, no I don't. <laughs> weirdly, weirdly if I were to see a remake with this and hear me out on this, this is a very interesting choice, but you do know that you, you know that I, I firmly believe that comedians who do dramatic work as well as comedic work are some of the best actors working. You know, you have right, Melissa right, right. McCarthy who's hilarious and then she stars in Can You Ever Forgive Me and just gives a beautiful dramatic performance. Yeah. I feel like you're, I don't know how you're going to react to this, but this person, and I'm not saying that there should be a remake of this film because there really shouldn't, but the person I'm about to say, I think could do a dramatic performance. I think she is talented enough to do so. And this person is Kristen Wiig. <laughs> do you know, do, do you see the yeah. resemblance at all? a little bit a little bit because i think like she if she were given i'm not saying to remake this i feel like if she were just given a dramatic character to play i think she would be able to do it
1: yeah i i did try to think of um someone who could play it if it were made today um i came up with you know cuz i i took the idea from the ed education episode and um one if you're gonna roll your eyes at this, oh no, Carrie. Of course, uh, I put down Kate Winslet because I was like, eh, maybe. I put down. Uh,
0: Julianne Moore.
1: I did not put down Julianne Moore. I'm trying to think of her name. Jean Do Yon, uh, a South Korean actress who was in the movie *Secret Sunshine* from the director *Burning*. Ah, she won the same. Uh, can actress award that Jill Clayburgh did fun fact oh, and interesting I, Secret Sunshine is a brutal movie I, 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 it's not It's much more emotionally heavy than this but if like you were going to say someone could do it I could see her and then mm-hmm. I also wrote down Maggie Chung who's in a lot of uh, Wong Kar Wise mm-hmm. movies including uh, In the Move for Love is yeah you know i'm a fan of east asian cinema if you couldn't tell
0: yeah yeah but just and from us don't make a remake and i don't think i don't think there will be one no this movie's
1: not popular to get one
0: (laughs) yeah okay and then our question from zita short do you think it's do you also find it strange that divorce movies became a profitable genre in the late 70s
1: maybe a little bit yeah
0: Yeah. I don't think it's just divorce movies. I think it's just more troubled relationships. Break it odd. I mean
1: they're still around today, obviously. Yeah.
0: But it was just so popular. I mean, within this year specifically, there were so many. Yeah. In the best actress category within the seventies, just a lot of women who are in bad relationships. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. But, okay, this is an interesting question. Gabe asks, why didn't Jill Clayburgh have a bigger career? Well, I mean,
1: I said earlier she did uh, stage. And mm. her stage career is, you know, really strong. And she had some um, TV stuff. Why didn't she have a big film career? Is probably because, you know, she wasn't a very bankable star. And, um... Another thing is uh, when women turn 40 in Hollywood, that's a sign
0: that, you know. Nope. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like Viola Davis or Meryl Streep. Bye. You're done. Or Frances McDormand. Or Frances McDormand. Like, good luck. Here's yeah. the thing. It, like, if if you look at the best actress category in 1962... People freaked that there were two women over the age of fifty in that category. Like, there were people who were thought it was why? insane. Like, first of all, Betty Davis and Katherine Hepburn are magnificent actresses. Why are you complaining that they're in the category? <laughs> I just, it was just so like people weren't used to that. But my reasoning for why she didn't have a bigger film career, at least, was that she sort of got tight cast. Although it was popular and gave her a Best Actress nomination the following year, Starting Over is a considerably weaker movie than An Unmarried Woman. And I mean, I know some people like it, but I fucking hated that movie. I thought it was terrible. And after that, I just got, I suppose, one, she didn't get many film opportunities as a whole, but she was just placed in shitty rom-coms. And she was so fit to play Erica. And it was just such an amazing movie. She was given her magnum opus and the role of a lifetime. But unfortunately, wasn't propelled, at least with regards to film, to getting a movie like this or even close to this ever again. Which is kind of sad.
1: Yeah. that 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 is, that is tragic. That I is know. very tragic.
0: Because, I mean, I don't know if you've seen Starting Over, but if you watch it, you just realize I haven't seen it. Don't. Unless you're really interested in, like, Best Actress of the 70s, don't. I okay. Think, I just think she she's good in it. She is very definitely the best part, but you do realize that she's working with a much weaker script and isn't given the same opportunity, which sucks. Yeah, it really <laughs> sucks. Yeah. And then I I think Valentina's question perfectly leads on to the Oscar segment of this podcast. But before we get into it, aside from the obvious competition, why do you think that this film failed to win any Oscars?
1: Well, I think the movie, it kind of suffered from coming out way too early. Coming
0: Coming Home came out in February.
1: Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, it came out too early, and it wasn't like pushed hard enough. It's mm-hmm. probably the type of movie that came out, and it wasn't really intended for the academy. And it's easier to have that type of success now. You know, Get Out came out in February, and you know that movie won screenplay. Um, I, I mean, this doesn't really count, but Promising Young Woman was supposed to come out in April. That also won screenplay, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's black panther i mean it's easier to do that now when you have social media but like in the 70s if you don't have a strong campaign backing you you're you're kind of toast and i'm honestly shocked this movie got nominated at the end of the day it must yeah, have.
0: me you too
1: know, it must have just had that that much hype either that or the other contenders were just
0: weak Here's the thing. I mean, I do think that the other contenders were weak. Sadly, I think that, well, and we'll get into this later. I do think that this was last to win. I think it had the lowest chance. And it was the lowest grossing film in terms of box office of all the Best Picture nominees that year, which means that I suppose less people saw it. Also, like the majority of the people who watch this movie live in New York. Like, it, that's where it did the best. That's where it made the majority of its profit. So yeah. that, that may be. Did not help its chances, and also, and you know, I I mean, I think that it was a little I mean, the director nomination not happening, iffy. It, it was, probably wasn't
1: gonna happen anyway. You know, sadly, it's the director's branch. You know, they yeah, they didn't sadly. they snub Bradley Cooper for Pavel Pavlikovsky.
0: <laughs> that is snobby. Yeah, I think it may be too small of a movie uh yeah yeah exactly. like this is
1: the type of movie that would do extraordinarily well at the indie spirits if it came out today
0: oh my god joe clayberg indie spirit award she would have so oh oh oh, and, oh my if, god
1: if coming okay. home didn't qualify for Indie spirits there would be no contest.
0: it wouldn't it wouldn't because it wasn't an indie movie
1: Yeah, yeah. So there would be no contest. And I
0: don't think, I don't even think An Unmarried Woman is an indie movie. I just think that it feels smaller compared to these other movies.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying it's the type of movie that would compete at the indie spirits.
0: Yeah, and it would dominate. Yeah. And that leads us to Valentina's question. How would you rank the movie among the other nominees for Best Original Screenplay? Do you think The Deer Hunter came close second or... Do you think that competition was tougher, so the nominees were alongside an unmarried woman and the deer hunter autumn sonata and interiors, and the winner was coming home so D- what deer, deer hunter thoughts? was
1: wait deer hunter was original,
0: yeah, I
1: thought it was adapted. I don't know,
0: no, it was original, which is a little odd,
1: okay, uh well, this is like I haven't seen all of them. But, like have the ones that I, I think like, you
0: have seen all of them
1: have i uh, well <laughs> i i think I think this is definitely like the
0: best like it's not
1: Close. it's not even really like a contest, no, yeah,
0: it's like well, autumn sonata is is a pretty perfect movie it's it's excellent, I agree, but it's
1: screenplay is not exactly what I think of when I think of how great that movie is. It's like, oh, the performances. Ingmar Bergman's directing that kind of Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff but this one like I mean it's the most honest it has the most thematically rich characters and it's so yeah
0: yeah I mean I I think that the deer hunter was probably second place just basing it off of the best picture win but uh, uh, an unmarried woman is definitely my choice if I were to rank them I'd say my favorite is an unmarried woman and then just completely basing it off of the script Maybe interiors is my runner-up. Interiors. Followed, followed by Autumn Sonata, then the Deer Hunter, and then Coming Home.
1: Uh oh, okay. So I have Sidalda, never mind. Yeah.
0: Um, good good category okay. though.
1: Uh like coming home winning is sus.
0: It's so dumb. Oh my god. Coming home is so annoying. It just like its its, it's presence annoys me.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, you'd give an unmarried woman the win. What would your ranking be?
1: Uh, let's see. Woman Sonata. Interiors, Deer Hunter, Coming Home. I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a good category. Obviously, like Coming Home, in terms of its script, makes sense. Like, even though I prefer the Deer Hunter, it just makes sense because that's the Deer Hunter is more focused on directing, and it's scope whereas coming home isn't isn't really about that so right. I, I do understand that and just aside from the deer hunter it was the biggest contender it was probably the runner-up in picture but i i just don't get the hype for it when it came out it really isn't much it, it's,
1: yeah it's just not that good
0: it's not uh do you want to do picture or actress last oh i don't know <laughs> I feel like I, we would have a lot to say about the actress one. Yeah, so let, let's do picture first. So, okay. an unmarried woman was nominated alongside Coming Home, Heaven Can Wait, Midnight Express, and your winner, The Deer Hunter.
1: Okay. Um, here's the thing. I don't think The Deer Hunter is an undeserving win by any means. I think I think it is a very good movie. But, I mean... I guess it's more of a personal preference type thing. I mean, it was obvious that Deer Hunter was going to win. It had the most nominations. It was just this big technical thing. And it meant a lot considering, you know, the Vietnam War was, you know, it wasn't happening. But the the effects of it were really winding down. And um, it was still in everyone's minds. So, like, I think it makes sense. And I don't think it's undeserved. But I think in comparison to this movie, it's really, like, like this like this film is very is just better. Yeah. I guess you could say that. And I it agree. is like, it is hard to compare them considering that you know they're two very different films. I and I get that. But you know, I, I I I I do I'm not like if this movie had one like screenplay and actress and Dear Hunter won best picture, it's like, oh okay, that's fine.
0: Here's the thing. <laughs> Heaven Can Wait got the same amount of nominations as The Deer Hunter, and on that little predicting thing I sent you, most people predicted Heaven Can Wait to win this picture, which is so weird to me, because that movie is just, it's fine. I don't think it's bad, but it's just so not serious. It's so weird, and it's not, I don't think it's bad. Again, it's not, it's fine, but it's so weird to me that that is a big Oscar contender because it says so little, it does so little. It's just a little funny 70s movie that resembles its time very well. And it has like a hot star in it, whatever. But I I don't understand why something like that would be taken so seriously as a contender to win best picture.
1: It was just decent. Yeah. Yeah,
0: It's like fine. It's whatever. It's it's cute. It's a cute movie. But considering that it, it was against the deer hunter, which, if you look back at, like, obviously the Deer Hunter one, that makes so much sense. People at yeah. the time didn't, didn't realize that. Like, reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but you would think that Robert De Niro winning for The Godfather 2 is like, yeah. oh, so you told, obvious.
1: Um, you've told me about that yeah.
0: before. But he was an upset.
1: Wait, who was expected to win?
0: <sighs> Fred Astaire for The Towering Inferno.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, Vivian Lee winning for Gone with the Wind. Not, not that expected.
1: Yeah, which is, which I watched is, Be Kind Rewinds video.
0: I mean, so weird. So you look at this and you realize now the Deer Hunter is the biggest of these. It is the most remembered. Obviously, it won, but at the time, people were like, "Heaven Can Wait can win. It's probably going to. And Coming Home could even win." I, so, so weird. I, I,
1: yeah, I, I wonder how many people are going to look back at like Parasite and be like, oh, Parasite had to be obvious, right? And it was like, oh, wait, 1917 was predicted to win?
0: Yeah, that it's odd. But yeah, yeah. An Unmarried Woman is clearly my favorite. I don't I don't know if I, I'd say The Deer hunter's undeserving because it just makes so much sense, but I don't love it. I know a lot of people really I, love I it. it. I get it, I get it. I think it's very uneven. I don't think it's well paced in any way. I don't think it's able to flush its characters out in correct ways that I was able to appreciate. Do I get its win? Do I get its technicalities? Of course, but it isn't something I'd watch again. It's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. An unmarried woman's my favorite,
0: and I just think this is such a bad group of movies. Aside from an unmarried woman, like the the other four are just fine to me. So it's so far ahead of all of them.
1: I mean, yeah, you could have put in Autumn Sonata or, you know, Days of Heaven. which you Or know.
0: Interiors. Like, there are so many better movies that you could put yeah. in this category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An Unmarried Woman, though, like, as I said, like, it was never going to win. If it won, that would be, it wouldn't make sense. It would be shocking, but pretty incredible. It would be very high on my Best Picture rank. I think it just needed more support. It only had three nominations as well. So it never would have made sense. But would I give it the win? Of course.
1: Yeah, there was no way it was ever going to win. It would be like if you predicted Mank to win this year. Oh my God. God. Trial. Some people actually did that too. Oh,
0: I know, I know. (laughs) Do you think that an unmarried woman losing had anything to do with Kramer versus Kramer doing so big against a Vietnam no, movie? No, no, yeah.
1: I I don't, no. It came out a whole year after. I really don't think so.
0: And I also think that Kramer vs. Kramer was more of a family film. I know you haven't seen it, but it, it feels more yeah. laid back. It's less adult, is what I'm trying to get at. Because like, it, it, there's a big perspective of a child from it. So it's very different. It's more mainstream.
1: and Apocalypse
0: Now had a lot of controversy so that's that's a whole other podcast episode yeah but I actually think that that year every Best Picture nominee oh my god this stupid ambulance outside not stupid ambulance I don't people are in pain right now but it's so loud anyways I think that that year I have no movies to talk about so yeah yeah, and it sucks that The Unmarried Woman is the only movie this year that was Oscarless of the Best Picture lineup. Yikes. And that transitions us to Best Actress. Here we go. Jill Clayburgh was nominated alongside Ingrid Bergman in Autumn Sonata, Ellen Burstyn in Same Time Next Year, Geraldine Page in Interiors, and your winner, Jane Fonda in Coming Home. So before I get into this, I just want to say that there have been countless videos, podcasts about this, so it is maybe going to feel a bit repetitive, but that being said, go for it.
1: (laughs) So, um, we had planned the Gold Derby Horses crew doing a 1978 retrospective, and the only reason I wanted to do it was to rant about this. Uh... Backstory. And now if, and
0: now this is kind of our little yeah, retrospective so yeah
1: this is like an excuse but like if you saw if you listen to the gold Urban horses if you know me if you you know paid attention to sam's intro um i was not happy with francis mcdormand winning over carrie this year Ooh, me neither um I think she, get, Carrie gave the best performance of 2020. I even put her over Anthony Hopkins and the father. And I understand that that take is spicier than uh, a ghost pepper or Buffalo Wild Wings blazing <laughs> sauce. But you know what? I don't really care. Um, that being said, I think Jill losing is worse. I agree. And I, I say that for two reasons. First of all, the competition here is considerably stronger than last year's not that the the performances are bad I actually think all of them are good but the thing is is like Viola Davis is the only one that kind of holds a candle to carry. and I didn't even think this at first originally I was higher on Francis um mm. I still like her performance in the film mm. in, in Nomadland um fine here's my problem
0: but she makes the same facial expression in every scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, that. <laughs> she's not robotic, but. No, but she makes the same expression.
1: Yeah, no. And I think a lot of that is probably because of Chloe Jaw as well.
0: Yeah, and it's also not the type of performance that ever wins. It's so. I, I don't odd. care about
1: that. I don't really care about that, you know?
0: You're just mad that, that Miss Carrie didn't win. And well, I am too.
1: But, I mean, c- continued competition, like Vanessa Kirby's great, but the movie's not great.
0: Same with Andrew Day. Yeah,
1: Andrew Day. I mean, she's good in the movie, just fine. It's just the movie sucks. And and yeah,
0: and but here's the thing: like, I, I I predicted Viola Davis, and I was like getting ready. Oh, I hope. I hope
1: Dick did. I hope Dick did. I I was stupid.
0: The thing is, like, I knew Carrie wasn't going to happen. Like, she didn't have enough support, and I was like, you know, Viola Davis, like that would be cool, but that was just a big disappointment.
1: Yeah. Um I was trying to I like I was trying to do what I did with Olivia Colman.
0: Oh I actually predicted her too, just but like I yeah. was not confident. I was just like, why I, not?
1: <laughs> I did have reason for it though. Anyways, anyways, yes, anyways, anyways. Anyways,
0: back to this year. Um, um but, I agree with you. I think that this best actress race, three of these performances, Jill, Ingrid, and Geraldine, are yeah. some of my favorites ever. Yes,
1: they're 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 all fantastic. I am not seen same time next year. But I do don't, like Ellen
0: Burstyn. Don't watch is it. Is it bad? It's so bad, and she's the worst of this of this lineup. So don't watch it. Okay. It's, it's 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 also like and, a play. Like the movie is literally a play. Yeah. It is so theatrical, and just the dialogue is painfully overwritten, and it's not charming. It's not authentic. She's fine. She's yeah. She's okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Burstyn is a very good actress, but it's just not a good movie, and she's definitely my least favorite. But we okay. can just
1: yeah. But, like, for now. I mean, and then Jane Fonda wins here, and she's just, she she is robotic in this movie. She like kind he, of is. The only thing that was really worse about Francis's win this year is that it was an upset. This was expected.
0: This was, like, I would have predicted her. Like, there were people who were predicting, you know, Jill just, like, out of hope. But Jane Fonda, this is the type of performance, and it was also just, like, comeback political from the yeah, whole the narrative like, yeah was strong. yes it was strong and also coming home as i said did better and jane fonda this is the type of performance that wins golden globe critics choice sack like that that like that would have made yeah. sense it, it it wasn't no one was surprised she probably won by a lot and even yeah. though it, it is sad that Joe didn't get her moment one Jill, jane fonda's speech was so good Like so good, like that's one of the best speeches ever. Yeah, I just loved. I I mean, I love Jane Fonda so much, and it was so expected. Like Francis wasn't upset. Like that was annoying. But with Jane, it is annoying that she beat three of my favorite performances ever, and that it was a a kind of robotic, bland performance in in a not great movie. But yeah, at least it was expected, and at least she cared. And and she and you know she said in an interview like I'm gonna win. Like I'm so happy. I deserve this. And I and I, I appreciate when actors do that because they are celebrating their work. And a lot of actors like when they win Oscars, they're so surprised and like Oh my God! Like I'm not deserving. Like I don't know what happened. This she yeah. was like on top of it. Like it reminds me of Kate Winslet at the Emmys. Kate Winslet like she knew that she wanted to win, and and she thinks she deserved it. And I and I really respect that when actors actors actually yeah are humble but but grateful and you and you could tell that Jane Fonda cared about it and knew she was gonna win so I I I do respect her for those reasons that being said I don't think it's deserved
1: uh not at all and then the second reason (laughs) I think it's worse Promising a woman did win screenplay it did and it probably won by a lot you know I know people were kind of you know oh Uh, there's support for trial, trial can happen. I was like, yeah, there's no way that's happening. It's done. It's done so And it was the first award of the fucking night. And she won. And I, you know, I mean, I cheered, probably woke up someone in my my place. (laughs) But um, it was like, yeah, this was so easy. It was so easy, you know, after Parasite get out her. It was just like, yeah, why would this happen? She also got a director nomination the movie got an editing nomination. Two nominations that a woman didn't get. Yeah. And also, this movie had won no Oscars <laughs> at the end of the day. And it, and it was last way,
0: place in picture where Promising Young Woman was probably third.
1: I mean, I would say second, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um,
0: second or third. It was really, it was higher than, where An Unmarried Woman was probably last.
1: Yes. It's like, you know, that's just the way... <clears throat> it was you know mm-hmm. like emerald Finel is an oscar winner you can't say that about paul Mazursky, who unfortunately is also dead
0: and, and and it sucks it sucks that he wasn't because he wrote just such beautiful scripts yeah like even though i i love chinatown and i think it deserved original screenplay i wouldn't have been too mad if harry and Tonto won i know a lot of people would especially considering well the I think backlash more... about best actor But yeah, I I, I think it's just a beautiful movie and and I love it.
1: Yeah, it it makes sense. But like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have these considerable talents here. Like, you know, Ingrid Bergman. Well, she's not as good as Liv Ullman.
0: Which is is odd that Liv Ullman wasn't. I mean, this was Ingrid's last performance. She's wonderful. She's
1: riveting. That's
0: probably why. That's probably why. But Liv Ullman, I mean... If she were nominated, she she'd easily be my runner up to Jill. She's my runner up for the whole year. I mean, she is. Yeah, she's striking in that she's, movie.
1: She's 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 amazing. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. Ingrid is um, amazing too. Like no disrespect. Yeah, She's yeah, also That's I was, absolutely that's, stellar.
1: That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And then Geraldine Page. I didn't. I didn't really click with interiors very much. I don't click much with Woody Allen in general outside Annie Hall. But um, <clears throat> she was great. She was very really great. She probably should have been supporting where she could, she could have That's easily the thing.
0: won. Here's, here's, here's the thing with that. Geraldine is probably like more of a supporting. Her character is the most important in the film, but she's only in it for 20 minutes. So yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know if it's very justified. If she had been nominated supporting, I, I mean, I said this on my episode with James where we talked about some Oscar races, but if she had been supporting, I thought about this train that Geraldine wins supporting for interiors. Maggie Smith doesn't have a second Oscar. That's fine. She already won. She already had a Best Actress Oscar, which is even better. She doesn't win for California Suite. Geraldine Page wins for Interiors. Then Whoopi Goldberg wins with The Color Purple over Geraldine Page in 1985. Then Annette Bening wins for The Grifters and has an Oscar. So it's, it's a go. whole train. There you go. Like, there you like, go. There you go. So, you I mean, I do wish Geraldine had campaigned in supporting. She would easily have won. She is. Yeah. But that being said, she is mesmerizing. She's the, great. The church scene. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, she was striking. She was so ferocious, so memorable. Every time she's on screen, I mean, 20 minutes, like, she does not. Like, she is so memorable. She is so commanding in every sense. She makes those 20 minutes the best 20 minutes. Absolutely. My, my, what I was saying earlier about, like, how an unmarried woman, like, makes its makes characters also authentic with their emotional states. My problem with Interiors, and don't get me wrong, I think Interiors is fabulous. I rated it four and a half stars. I think it's up there with, like, top 70s movies. It is magnificent. But the daughters in that movie, especially, like, Kristen Griffith and Diane Keaton, there are times where their characters feel like they're being forced to feel sad, whereas, I mean, Geraldine Page's character doesn't. So it is a little uneven with regards to that. It didn't bother me too much, but that it is a little noticeable. And and yeah. maybe that, that detracts interiors a little bit. Other than that, I think interiors is flawless. Yeah, it, it's it I just can has, see that. it has shocking moments that I didn't see coming, and maybe it is a little bit of a copy of Ing- Ingmar Bergman and Woody Allen is attempting to do that. But I do think it is original, <laughs> and I think it is successful in, in like most of its aspects. And Geraldine is perfect.
1: Yeah, I I mean I get I get why people like it. I just I I mean, I'm just not a Woody Allen person.
0: Yeah, and that that's that's probably why. Yeah, and then just with regards to Ellen Burson, I I I, I touched on this earlier. She's she's doing what she can. It's not a great role, and and I don't think that's her fault. So I, I'm not going to talk too much on her simply because I don't think it's entirely her fault, and I don't think she's awful. I just think she's clearly the worst of a very strong group. Jane Fonda fourth. Ooh, I I struggle between Bergman and Page. I'm gonna have to say Page at third for now. Second Bergman, first Claber. But very good lineup. The three I of think, them are very strong. I think
1: that would that would probably be my exact ranking.
0: Yeah. But if Liv Ullman was nominated, I mean
1: yeah Lee Volman Jamie Lee Curtis could have been nominated too for Halloween I know they don't go for like you know horror performances you know but like she was really good
0: she was and I think you love this movie it's called Girlfriends have you seen it I've heard of it yeah the lead actress in that was really really good too so I I think it's overall strong year. Jane Fonda's win again makes sense but I don't like it
1: (laughs) yeah it's like the the best thing you can possibly say about
0: it. Yeah, I mean, and also, just Jane Fonda is such a likable person, so I can't get too mad. But yeah. The performance itself just isn't impressive there was literally like one moment that i remember where it's like at the hospital she's like wow i can't believe you guys wouldn't stand up for this like that's all i remember about her performance there's
1: also the the, the scene in the house at the end where, where she's got her hands just in the same place like there's a video on youtube of that scene it's just jane Fonda's robot hands. <laughs> it's so, so funny i had to send it to you and,
0: and then there's that obvious like oscar moment where it's like her uh, on the beach with like carrying John Voight in the wheelchair, and she's just like crying, and it's like a close up of her crying, like "Oh, please." Uh, <laughs> I just I think they're it's just not a great film. Yeah, so, evidently I'm not too happy about it. Gene Fonda, though, I mean, she does have such great performances. I really like. You know her performances in The China Syndrome and They Shoot Horses, Don't They? And Klute. So yeah, nothing against her; she's great, but not not the type of movie that I would say is worth rewarding for Best Actress.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and the the whole political situation she got in I anyway mean, was was complete bullshit. And I have um I have sympathy for for her in that way. Like,
0: yeah, you exactly. You know, like he was dealing with a lot. <laughs> yeah. But she's probably like the most political actor or like it's like involved in politics. I can't think of another actress that has done as much as her.
1: Yeah, which is commendable.
0: Yeah. So but again, Jill Clayberg easily should have won this.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) So I think we're in agreement that we definitely give an unmarried woman a win in all three categories. He was nominated for yeah. This, this might be a, a hotter take, but I would actually give Paul Mazurski the win for director if he were nominated. Hmm. 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 Hmm.
1: Okay. Um, I typically have the, this rule where um, the best movie of the year is the best director movie of the year. Um, I have expressed that my personal preference in director this year is Emerald Fennell as opposed to Chloe Zhao. I don't know about this one. I think I might have to put the cap on that. I might have to vote for Michael Cimino there, because what ab-
0: what about Ingrid- In- Ingmar Bergman?
1: Yeah, he would be worthy too, but I-, I don't know. I I might have to put the cap on the search there. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, buddy.
0: I would also give the score the win. That would
1: be a good. That would be a good one. That would be a good one. I don't remember what one score, but you know.
0: Midnight Express, which I don't remember the score of. It was all right, and yeah, I think that's it for nominations. But yeah, win in all three of its categories like easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, George, where do you have any more comments? Anything? I
1: can't really think of any. No.
0: no, no, no. Okay, so where can people find you?
1: Um, well, I am i have a instagram account george watching film maze i am on letterboxd uh you, you can also find my podcast the gold derby horses i did not come up with that name um on spotify apple Podcasts, anchor.fm we have an instagram page we barely use it but um you can check that out if you are interested in uh meme oriented Oscar predictions and uh yeah there you
0: go well I am Sam the Parasite on Twitter and Sam Meltzer on Letterboxd please review and rate this podcast on whatever podcast service you use thank you all for listening new episodes every Friday bye